Let's get out of the way. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to read verse 4 and then skip to verse 6. Very familiar passage of scripture. Say amen when you have it. <clears throat> Your raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. Jump over to verse 6. Moses says, Therefore, thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. And I'm going to preach to you on this simple subject. The title may sound a little funny, but as we go on, I think you'll appreciate uh, the idea behind it. And I simply want to talk to you about feet that won't swell. Feet that won't swell. Can we say that together? Feet that won't swell. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessing. I thank you for your people. God, I'm asking you today that you would use me to preach and to encourage your people tonight. I pray that a gift of faith would invade this sanctuary and the hearts of your people. Lord, we so desperately need you tonight. Let there be signs, wonders, and miracles take place in the house of the Lord. God bless this church. God bless this truth. Let it go forward throughout this city. In Jesus' name, and someone shout amen. Let's give the Lord a great big hand clap. Amen. Look at your neighbor. Give him a great big God bless you, and you may be seated. <clears throat> Praise God. Everything God does has a witness. In the case of Israel's journey through the wilderness, the Bible tells us that there were six witnesses. Heaven and earth. The songs that Moses sings at the close of Deuteronomy, the book of the law, and last but not least, the tabernacle. But there was also another witness that a lot of people overlook. It was Moses. Moses was a witness. But what exactly do these things, Moses included, witness? What they witness is God doing countless miracles on behalf of the people he loves. Deuteronomy 7 and 7 says, The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you. It is interesting to think about all the amazing things Moses witnessed God do out of love for his people. What is equally interesting is how did Moses decide which miracles to mention and which to leave out? At some point, as Moses sat down to write the first five books of the Bible, he had to make editorial decisions. And still, what we have left is not just the books of the law, but books full of of the miraculous. There was the miracle of the burning bush. There was the miracle of the rod that could turn into a serpent and then back to a rod again. 
There was the miracle of the plagues that fell upon the Egyptian people. There was the miracle of the Red Sea being split. There was the miracle of manna falling from heaven. There was the miracle of mass healings from snake bites in the wilderness. And if that were not enough, there was the miracles Moses witnessed take place in his own life, and to be more specific, in his own body. The Bible tells us that when he first sets out to lead Israel, amen, out of Egypt, he is stricken down and becomes sick. And the Bible does not tell us exactly by what, but we do know that he was instantaneously healed when his wife performed the rite of circumcision upon their son. Moses even saw within his own body God do instant and miraculous healings, such as the healing of leprosy at the burning bush. Moses spent his entire life not being able to speak clearly. And then towards the end of the book of Deuteronomy, he sings songs that are chapters long. And lest we forget, Moses was no spring chicken when he began his ministry at the ripe age of 80. And yet the Bible says that his strength remained unabated despite being elderly and advanced in age. Moses was a witness that God not only does miracles for millions, but he also does it for individuals as well. And he does it all because he loves us. In our text tonight, we find ourselves reading one of the many peculiar miracles that for one reason or another Moses included in his writings. Moses tells the Israelites that he witnessed God be so good to them that their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. A miracle is a miracle. And no matter how you look at it, when you actually witness a miracle, you can't help but be amazed by it. Somewhere in his daily interactions with the Israelites, Moses never failed to be mesmerized by the fact that these people who were traveling through the wilderness never had swollen feet. Not the heat, not the miles of marching, not the tough terrain of the desert was able to make a single Israelite foot suffer inflammation or swelling. It is no mystery to anyone, be it an ancient Israelite or us sitting here today in 2021, that the first line of defense against your feet swelling in the desert heat is a shoe. The only thing between an Israelite's foot and the rocks, the thorns, the scorpions, the snakes, the desert sand was their shoes. But if we stop and think about it, a foot that won't swell while walking hundreds of miles on some of the world's most harshest conditions can mean that there is something protecting that foot more than a shoe. What I'm about to say next may sound elementary, but it needs to be said. And those of you sitting here tonight need to hear it. Walking according to God's word comes with an unexplainable and undeniable witness that God is watching over us even down to the littlest detail. And yes, little things matter to God. Too many times we trust God for the big things, but then give up and become discouraged by all the little things that require constant attention. Tonight, I want to encourage you 
And I want to preach to you that God is doing big things. But I also want to preach to you that God is doing a whole lot of little things. I want to preach to you tonight that there's a whole lot of feet that God is going to keep from swelling. I want to preach to you tonight that as miraculous as God is, as big of things that he can do, there's a lot of little things that God is doing as well. And I don't know about you, but I get excited when I think about all the little things. I said I get excited when I think about all the little things that God is doing. I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but I know that I'm preaching to a whole lot of people that made it into this sanctuary and that have been making it through this week on a whole lot of little miracles, on a whole lot of little blessings, on a whole lot of... Come on, somebody. Do you still believe that God is doing the little things? Yes, he heals cancer. Yes, he helps us through sickness. Yes, he blesses us financially. But can I tell you that he does a whole lot of miracles on Wednesday morning to Wednesday night? Can I tell you that he's going to be doing a whole lot of little miracles tomorrow morning? And you know where he's going to be doing them? In your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your children, in your... Oh, somebody give God some praise. Oh, come on, praise him, praise him. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, I feel the glory of the Lord in this house. Hallelujah. I don't know if I can get just a little more monitor. Thank you, praise God. Yes, Moses saw plagues emerge out of the Nile and hail fall from heaven. Yes, Moses saw his rod turn into a snake and back to a rod again. Yes, Moses saw manna fall from heaven. Yes, Moses saw the Red Sea split. Yes, Moses saw an entire nation brought to its knees by the power of God. Yes, Moses saw God write the law on two tablets of stone. Amen. But when it was all said and done, Moses wanted us sitting here tonight to know that he also saw feet that didn't swell under the pressure of a ruthless and unforgiving wilderness. Oh, I don't know how he decided which miracles he was going to write and which ones he was going to leave out. But somewhere in it all, Moses kept looking at those dirty little feet and saying, you know what? It never ceases to amaze me that God is taking care of the big stuff, but he's taking care of the little stuff. And I just feel like somebody is going to need to hear this 4,000 years from now, that God does the little stuff too. So I'm going to write this inside this book so I can encourage a saint of God in 2021 on a Wednesday night that God is taking care of the little oh come on praise him praise him yes he is yes he is oh Jesus I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now hallelujah tonight I want to remind you Keep walking according to God's word. Keep walking according to God's will. Keep walking according to God's ways. Because it's the only way that is supernaturally watched over, little things included. Can I remind you tonight of the words of Jesus in Matthew 10 and 29, where he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing or a penny? And one of them shall not fall on the ground 
without your father. Fear ye not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Sparrows are a small, intrusive bird, which in the times of Jesus were everywhere. Despite its small size, however, the sparrow was fearless, and it made its nest wherever it wanted. In the times of Jesus, people hated sparrows. It was considered a nuisance and a pest. And as far as the people in Jesus as they were concerned, two of them weren't even worth a penny. And yet Jesus says that not one of them falls to the ground without God Almighty knowing it. Jesus did not direct our attention to the sparrow for no reason. This little bird who is considered a worthless pest, has something to teach us. Number one, God does not pay attention to the details in your life based on how other people value the details in your life. Sparrows did not need to be valued by everyone for them to be valued by God. God didn't care how much value the world put on this little bird. God didn't care if this little bird got on everybody's little nerves. God didn't care if this little bird wasn't hardly worth a penny. He says, it is valuable to me. And Jesus points our attention to the sparrow for this very same reason. Because he wants you to know that your situations, your circumstances, your needs, and your life doesn't gain value value according to public opinion and your situation God will listen to it if it's important to you and you're important to God which you are amen then it matters to him and it doesn't need to get approval and a permission slip from everyone for God to listen to you when you pray about it oh come on I don't mean to rebuke anybody. I don't mean to sound harsh with anybody that might be struggling, but I am certain that there are more than five people here. Yea, there are more than 20 people here that you are even afraid to pray about little stuff because everybody around you always tells you that you complain too much, that it's not that important, that you're hypersensitive, that you're making a big deal out of nothing. Let me tell you something. If it means something to you, then it means something to God. God's not waiting for your husband to value it. God's not waiting for your wife to value it. God's not waiting for your Uncle Richard to declare it important. God's not waiting even for the preacher or the congregation to say, you know what? We think that's very important. Let's pray about it. I don't care if we're talking about losing your keys or needing some groceries. If it's important to you and you're important to God, then God's going to listen to you when you pray about it. I don't care if we're praying about getting some gas for the car or some insurance for health. If it's important to you and you're important to God, then God is going to listen to you when you pray. Uh, you're not hearing me tonight. God doesn't need public approval and a stamp of approval. Amen. For oh, come on. Your little need, your little need doesn't need to be important to everyone. Your little need doesn't need to be important. Okay.
you know, in our house, we just pray about everything. We just pray about everything. Uh, you know, in our house, we lose a lot of things. Socks. It all starts with socks. They go in the dryer. They go in married, and they come out single. Praise the Lord. A lot of socks have lost their spouse in our house. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. I can't say I pray about my socks much. It's mostly my socks, by the way. But we lose keys. We lose items. We lose all kinds of little funny stuff. And it's not anything I'm ready to call a prayer meeting over at men's prayer or at all church prayer. But, it's, but me and my wife are not afraid to shut our eyes, to bow our heads, and to say, Jesus, help us find those keys. Jesus, don't make me get up here and testify about all the little things that God, come on somebody. Don't make me get up here and testify about stuff that might get on your nerves. And you know why it gets on your nerves? Because it may not be important to you. But guess what? It's important to me. And guess what? I'm important to God. And guess what? If I'm important to God and it's important to me, then God listens to me when I pray. And my need doesn't need to be important to everybody. It might be a pesky little bird to everybody else, but to God. Come on. Come on, somebody. I don't know who has stopped praying about all the little stuff in your life, but God sent this preacher to tell you, keep on praying about all the little stuff. Keep on talking to God about all the little stuff. Keep on talking to God about that little bill, that little sickness, that little situation, those keys, that lost item, that gas, that insurance, that blessing, that help, that appointment, that court case. Come on, keep on praying to God about all... Oh, come on. Come on. The Bible says all things. All. Why? Why did Jesus use this sparrow? The sparrow teaches us that living near the altar is the only way to live. Psalms 84 and 3 says... Lord God, all-powerful, my King and my God, sparrows find a home near your altar. You bless everyone who lives in your house, and they sing your praises. Why does God keep his eye upon the sparrow? Because the sparrow makes his home near the altar of God. I want to encourage you tonight, Saint. Find you a home near the altar. Find you a place near the altar. I, I'm still so old school that I believe every apostolic ought to have an altar. I'm still so old school that I believe everybody in this church ought to have their favorite little place where they pray. I'm just still so silly as to believe that people who live at the altar, who stay at the altar, who bring all their little things to the altar, those are going to be a blessed people. Those are going to be a people that are going to sing the praises of God Almighty. There's 
just something about living near the altar. There's just... You need an altar. You need to stay close to the altar. I understand. There's days I show up and want to sit near the back. There's days I'm waiting for the preacher to finish. And I don't have any intention of going near the altar. But can I tell you that as of late... I've been shaking myself and stirring myself and reminding myself, I am not here for the preaching. I am not here for the singing. I love all of those things and I hold them near and dear. I am not here for the friendships and the fellowship. I love those things and I hold them near and dear. But I remind myself, I'm here for the altar. I'm here to talk to Jesus. I'm here to take my... I, I, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I am not alone here today when I, can, when I testify and say that I have been in complicated situations that seem to have no answer and I'm getting no direction and I come down to the house of God, be it on a church night or on a prayer night and I get near the altar and before I just, I just I'm that pesky little sparrow that makes his home near the altar and before it's all said and done Sometimes before I even get home, the phone's already ringing and there's answers coming from heaven. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but there is somebody here that your home up here at the altar is calling out to you and it's telling you to come back home. You're not evil. Perhaps you're not even backslid, but you've just gotten a little weary and tired and God wants you to know, I miss you. You need to come back home. You need to come back home. I got answers for you. I got blessings for you. I got I got favor. I got endurance. I got strength. I got grace. I got heat. Oh, somebody give God a crazy praise right now. I feel so strongly in the Holy Ghost. This is not part of my sermon, but I feel so strongly in the Holy Ghost to encourage a person, perhaps several people here. You're in school right now. You're going for your degree. Let me tell you something. Don't you ever forget where your home is up here. Praise God. I don't care how many finals you have. I don't care how many tests you have. I don't care what kind of grades you need to get. I'm telling you right now, you need to get yourself plugged in and stayed in to the altar. You need to make your home in the altar because I'm telling you right Right now, amen, what good does it do you to have a degree, amen, if you lose your walk with God? What good does it do you huh, to make an extra twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year, but you lose your prayer life in its place? Hey, I came to tell you, you can make 40 extra a year and have a home near the altar. I'm here to tell you, you can get the degree and have a home near the altar. You don't have to switch. You don't have to exchange. You don't have to trade one in for the other. Honey, you can have them both. You can... Oh, come on, come on, come on. 
I wish I could stand up before you tonight and tell you that I am certain things are going to get better. I do believe things will get better for the church. I do believe the church is going to advance in blessing, favor, and revival. I do not believe that things are going to fare well in the world. I do not believe that. I don't believe things are going to get better out there. I believe they're going to get more complicated. I believe that there's going to be more pitfalls and traps. I'm going to tell you something about America. In other countries, it's very different than it is here. In other countries, they don't just talk about civil war. They have civil war. In other countries, regimes and governments get toppled. People die on the streets. And I'm not talking, you know, here, those kinds of behaviors are confined to to the ghetto and to certain lifestyles. Out there, in other countries, this happens to normal, everyday citizens. But I'm going to tell you that here in America, there is a silent and deadly, mind-altering, soul-crushing, spiritual war. There are messages, there are agendas, there are movements, there are ideas that are floating in the air that will wipe you and your family out. And I am telling you that it's, it's, it's subtlety that makes it so serious. It's, it's, how, it's how sly and how slick and how soft-spoken the war is here in America that makes it so deadly. Oh, somebody's, somebody needs to help me tonight. Because I know what it is to send kids away to college. And have them come back talking silly. I know what it is to see adults get caught up on the internet. I know what it is to see a single mom shoot to carve out a better life and end up losing her soul. Y'all don't want to help me tonight. And I, I told myself, I'm coming to the pulpit with a positive attitude. But I want to remind you, saint of God, that in 2021, the only way you are going to navigate these tricky waters is by staying near the altar. Revelation 6 and 9. John has a vision of the saints Mind you, in chapter 6, the four horsemen have already rolled throughout the world. The white horse, the red horse, the black horse, the speckled horse, death, disease, war, pestilence. It has already ravished the world. And then there are a group of saints 
that survive and endure all that the world could throw at them. But listen to what John says about them in Revelation 6, 9. He says, under the altar were the souls of them slain. In other words, he says, these people that endured all this stuff, Amen. You know where they were living? Under the altar. These were people that stayed near the altar. That's the only way you're going to make it through all this madness. That's the only way. Hey, I'm telling you, if you're going to endure all the craziness, amen, seen and unseen, if you're going to survive the spiritual, sociological, psychological warfare that's going on in America, it's not going to be, amen, hallelujah, amen, through your mental faculties, It's not going to be through your financial prowess. It's not going to be, praise God, I'll I'll tell you what else. It's not going to be just by reinforcement of faith. Amen. It's going to be because you stay on your knees and you make you a home near the altar and you get under the altar and you stay under the altar. And when... And when things aren't right in your county, and when things aren't right in your state, and when things aren't right in our country, and when there's crazy messages being pushed through the veins of our society, the only way the saints of God are going to make it, amen, is when they stay underneath the altar. Amen. I don't know about you, but I feel like rededicating my life tonight to the altar. I want to live in the altar. I want to stay under the altar. I want to be like the little sparrow. Amen. Hallelujah. Who might, come on. Nobody might value him. Nobody might love him. Everyone might think he's a pest, but he's smart enough to know the only way you make it in life is by making an altar in Jehovah's house, by making an altar at y'all. Come on, somebody. Somebody give God some praise. Come on, come on, the Holy Ghost is moving. I'm not going to preach long. Oh, Jesus. Every hand lifted up just for a few moments. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We need to pray right now. Together. Jesus. 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 Oh, Jesus. Oh, 
This is not part of my message. But I, I, I want to help somebody here tonight. There are people here, your children are lost, and you've chalked up that loss to nothing more than carnality. There are people here, although your whole family is in church, there are members of your household that are getting cold, they're getting carnal, amen, they're getting indifferent. It may not be obvious to everyone, but you know what's going on. You're starting to get concerned, and you're starting to make all kinds of excuses, and, and I understand how that is, and I understand how that goes, and I understand how that all works, but can I encourage encourage somebody tonight. Don't you take the spiritual element out of this battle. Don't you just, I'm telling you right now, there is a spirit that has a hold of your son. There is a spirit that has a hold of your daughter. Yes, they are in sin. Yes, they are living foul. But guess what? Over their spiritual eyes, there is a spirit that is keeping them away from the family, out of the church, away from the altar, out of God's plan, out of God's purpose, and out of God's will. <clears throat> And you can't afford to get cold with them. And you can't afford to let their backslidden. You've got to stay in the battle, sister. You've got to stay in the battle, brother. You've got to stay in the fight. Come on. Don't just, don't just take it laying down. God is calling you to rise up and to fight in the spirit. It, it might be a long fight. Amen. But I came to tell you, your feet won't swell. You just get up every day and you walk that walk and you talk that talk. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but you need to get a picture of your son. Put it on the fridge. Walk by that picture and start quoting scripture at the picture. Come on, somebody. Your feet aren't going to swell before you leave the house at 6 a.m. for another day's work. Amen. You need to pray a little prayer and say, God, I know you do little things. And if you could do me a little favor, grab a hold of my daughter today. If you could do me a little favor, grab a hold of my son. If you could do me a little favor remind my husband to be ready for church on Wednesday at 7 God if you come on come on we're getting a breakthrough tonight Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray together.
Hey, I had no plans on talking about this. There are spirits that have been unleashed on your family members that are holding them captive through people. There are times when people are just caught up in a spiritual current. But there are people here today that your lost loved one, your hindered loved one, is being actually controlled by a person. It's an actual person that has gotten a hold of them. I want you to just slip your hands in the air right now. God, God wants to speak to us. I was at the church a few weeks ago praying, just praying. And I heard the name of a particular woman who I know. I know her. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me, said, She's a witch.
and she's cursing you. I'm just going to be honest with you. I had a hard time believing it. I don't care what you call yourself. When you start praying evil on other people, you, you, you become the host. As Jesus told his own disciples, you know not what spirit you're of. Oh, you can get quiet on me. You can get quiet on me. But there are people out there that have no idea the stuff they're playing with. And they start dabbling in areas that they ought not. God spoke to me. He said, pray against what she's cursing you. It was probably one of the most strangest things I've ever done. I got up and I just... Just prayed against what she was praying against me. You guys have crows out here? Are there crows in Washington? Okay. We, we have crows. We have crows where we live. I, I see crows often. But you know, like in small groups of five. I came home. And I have three trees, big trees in front of my house. And I noticed there was like a lot of crows on the trees in front of my house. I had to go preach somewhere. I got in my car. My family went with me. We were gone for the weekend. And my sister-in-law who lives uh, in an apartment in the back of our house called, said, hey, guys. There's like a lot of crows that have surrounded our house. And I said, yeah, yeah, I saw them. She said, no, 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 no. I can't even talk on the phone. They're everywhere. I said, well, we'll be home today. I, you know, I was thinking maybe, you know, 20 crows, 30. There was an infestation of crows. I had never seen, till this day, I have never seen so many crows anywhere. And I just kept praying and praying. And after a few days, they went away. I went back to the church. A few days later, was praying. But I started praying against this woman. She was praying against me. Said right back at you, sis. <laughs> My phone starts dinging and pictures start coming through. Let me tell you something. I could walk a few blocks out from my house. I could see all of San Francisco from the front door of my, my, my church. 
I could, I could walk a few blocks out from my house. I don't live in the country. Okay, I don't live in the country. I live in an urban area. My wife, we have a very large window in our living room that looks out into the street. We have a very small fence in front of our house. And perched on top of the fence were five large turkey vultures staring into our house. There's, look, there's no turkeys where we live. Just, I want to be very clear about this. I didn't know whether to be scared or mesmerized. I've never seen a turkey other than Thanksgiving on the table. And I, my wife says, you need to come home. The kids are scared. She says, I'm scared. I said, I'm scared. <laughs> they were massive, and they were ugly, and they stayed perched on top of our, the, I threw rocks at them, and you know where I live, you can't attack animals, but <laughs> I, made an, I made an exception. My mother-in-law, God bless her, she's been a saint of God now well over 20 years. Very prayerful woman. I called her. I said, hey, mom, you know, there's something really weird growing on. I, I told her the whole story like I'm telling it to you. I told her the name of the woman that's been praying against me. The city where I live, there used to be a church there. There used to be a church there. There used to be a pastor there. That pastor had a wife. That church suffered a horrible blow. It was totally dismantled. It was totally torn apart. The marriage, the home, everything was torn apart. And my mother-in-law told me, I want to tell you something I've never told you. She said, just a few months before our church was torn apart, she said, my pastor's wife, was in her room praying, and she had a vision, and her whole room, she said, was filled with crows. She said she had never witnessed anything like this. She says it was so real that she started swinging her arms and punching the air, as if it were, and she said it was horrible. She said, and the woman that you just named to me, she saw that woman the following morning, and that woman walked up to her and cussed her out and cursed her. I am telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. There are spirits that get a hold of people, and these people will curse and cuss 
and block and divide and isolate and hold captive our loved ones. They will come against churches. They will come against families. They will come against marriages. And I'm telling you, you have got to be about your wits. And you have got to be about your prayer life. And you have got to get in the habit of praying always with all prayer and all supplication in the Spirit. Hey, I am telling you, this is still Pentecost, honey. This is still the Holy Ghost. This is still prophecy. This is still dreams. This is still tongues and the interpretation of tongues. I am telling you right now that beneath the surface of it all, amen, where there's a lost soul, there's a devil involved. Where there's a torn family, there's a spirit involved. Where there's resistance to the church, amen, there are spirits involved. And what God needs is a church that says, we don't just believe you for the big things. We believe you for the little things. We're an all things church and we're a church that prays about all things. We're a church that prays about our lost kids. We're a church that prays about our building program. We're a church that shows up to men's prayer. We're a church that shows up to church prayer. We're a church. Come on, I'm talking to somebody. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Praise him, praise him, praise him. Let's all stand to our feet. I, I have so much more to preach, but I, I have no way of articulating to you what I am seeing right now. I have no way of explaining to you, but I could see people's lost loved ones right now, and I could see the hands of someone else wrapped around their face, wrapped around their eyes. The Bible says that if people are lost, they are lost because the God of this world hath blinded their minds. And as tired as you are, and as battle-worn as you are, and as much as you've given, and as much as you are fighting and struggling and still supporting your church, I came to encourage you, don't stop praying. Hey, there are days I'm so tired. There are days I'm worn out. There are days me and my wife look at each other and just cry. I'm just going to be honest with you. There's days I say to myself, I can't get on my knees. But I'll tell you what I do. I put a pillow over my face. And with whatever strength I have, I just keep praying and staying in the fight. I'm not going to get out of the fight. I don't know who has slipped out of the fight. But your armor's still here, soldier. I don't know who has slipped out of the fight, but the armor's still here for you, sis. I don't know who has slipped out, and I'm going to be the I'm going to be the first one to tell you. 
I know that you're tired. God sympathizes with you. I sympathize with you. Your pastor sympathizes with you. But I'm just asking you to slip your armor back on. I'm just asking you to pray what you can pray. I'm just asking you to weep one more time for your lost son. I'm just encouraging you, weep one more time. Because the Bible says that the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man and woman, it avails much. It avails much. It avails much. It avails. Hey, you know what I feel? I feel like there's some girlfriends that are going to get out of some young men's lives. I feel like there's, come on somebody, I feel like there's a little group of friends that have been dabbling with witchcraft. You may not even know it. You may just think they're kind of weird and you don't like them. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You just told your husband the other day, I don't know what it is about that girl. I just feel strange around her. Honey, you need to get your Holy Ghost meter on high and you need to get yourself back in the fight. You need to get yourself. Come on, come on, come on. Musicians, if I could get some musicians, hallelujah. Jesus. Da 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 da